Our dear kind Heavenly Father, thank you so much for each one that is here this afternoon. And Lord, as we're here, we want to learn. And so Lord, they don't want to hear from me. They want to hear from you. So I'm asking for the Holy Spirit to come and teach us about this important topic. So please bless us now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. The thousand years, why is that an important topic to understand? Okay, because there's so much misunderstanding. That's absolutely right. Some people think Jesus is going to come and and stand on this earth and walk around this earth for a thousand years. Some people think it's going to be a thousand years utopia or a thousand years of peace. And so we need to know what does the Bible teach about this thousand years and how can you do it in a simplified form that helps people to understand. Now, once again, as you can see, I like graphs and I like participation and I like things that we can take home with us. And so you've got a graph in your hand. I'd like us to fill it out together. Okay. And as you fill it out together, you will have something that before your very eyes will open up that I believe will become very, very clear. Now, I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles and go with me to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. And Revelation chapter 19 is an overview of the closing scenes of this earth. Revelation chapter 19. And I want to quickly start with verse 7. Welcome, come on in. Revelation chapter 19. And I'm going to start with verse 7. And I'm not going to go through this conclusively, but I just want to set a stage for you. Revelation chapter 19 and in verse 7. It says, let us be glad and rejoice and give merry, or honor to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his what? Wife hath what? Made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white for the right or the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he said unto me, right, blessed are they that are called to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true saints of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. Now white means what? Purity. A white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. Who's the writer? Jesus. Faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as flames of fire, and his head was as many crowns, or on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Mm. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's right, amen. So we're talking about Jesus. Verse 14, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. Who's all that? Angels. Angels. Very good. And out in clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth, verse 15, goeth forth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he should rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the press of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And he had on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourself together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, free, both free and bond, both small and great. And it comes down, jump down to verse 20. And the beast was taken in, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which had deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire. What do we know that as? Hell. That's right. Now, I want you to see where, what ground have we covered. Quite a bit. That's true. Good answer. Quite a bit. That's one of those, like, where's that found uh, in the Bible? It, we started second coming, Jesus coming on a white horse, his armies coming with him, they come down, and then you see all of a sudden the scene change, and there's this great feast of other birds, right? Well, what are they feasting on? Dead bodies. Dead bodies, that's right. And then you come down to the very end, and you see a time in which they're cast into the lake of fire, which we know as hellfire. So this is an overview, basically, of Revelation chapters 20 in 21 and 22. Now, we want to take a look at Revelation chapter 20 because as you look at Revelation chapter 20, you need to understand that it helps us to know the three phases of judgment. How many phases? Three, three phases. And we're going to take a look at them. We know the first phase has to do with what we call the investigative judgment. Now, you're not going to find those words in the Bible like that. But what do you call it when Jesus is standing before the Father, going over the records and seeing what proof there is as to whether or not you're a child of God or not? Okay, The investigative judgment, that's right. So Jesus is standing before the Father. He's in the first phase of judgment right now. The key is how much longer is He going to be there? Now we learned yesterday, when we went through the 2300 years, that started in 1844, he's been going some 173 years, how much longer do you think he needs? We don't know, and I'm not about to try and set a date, I'm just simply saying to you, I believe it's near. Even at the door. And so it's very important for us to understand, because Jesus was spending three and a half years with his disciples physically, Right? In Matthew chapter 24, what's his number one concern for his disciples about when he leaves? That's right. He says, take heed that no man deceive you. And I'll tell you what, there's so many things out there that you can believe. Every wind of doctrine blowing. And i got to tell you, even in the Adventist church, you have to be solid on knowing what the Bible teaches and stand upon the promises of the Bible regardless of whether it's popular or not. Even in the church. Okay, now I love the church. I believe God has a remnant church. I believe the Seventh day Adventist church is the remnant church of Bible prophecy. But I will tell you, there's trouble brewing. You've got to know why you believe what you believe. Don't just accept it because some preacher says so. You've got to get your Bible. You've got to study it. You've got to know the truth and know why you believe it that way. Amen. And so with this, we, we need to take a look at this important topic because this helps us to understand several things. Because, you know, as people begin to understand truth, they, they're, they're confused because of some of the things they've been taught already, right? 
And this, I believe, helps clear up several situations or several theories or doctrines. And uh, so it's important for us to understand. So let's go to Revelation chapter 21 and let's dig in, or 20, excuse me, and let us dig in. Revelation 20, and we're going to start with verse 1. Revelation 20, and I want to start with verse 1. Hmm? Does anybody need a pen? Okay, I, got, I heard somebody say yes. <laughs> Robert needs a pen. All right, well, I'm going to start reading just because of the sake of time. Revelation chapter 20, starting with verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is, called, is the devil and Satan, and did what? bound him for a thousand years and cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should should what deceive the nations no more what's the next word till what's another word for till until the thousand years should be fulfilled after that he must be loosed or released as some versions say a little season now, notice it goes on. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the word of God, or for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their forehead or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part of the first resurrection on such the second death. Now what are we talking about when we say second death? We're talking about final death, eternal death. We're talking about hell fire. Okay, just to be clear. When Jesus died for you, he did not die to take away our human death. He came to take away your final death. Amen? Yeah. Hellfire. Damnation. Come on in. And so notice as we continue on, it says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part of the first resurrection. On such a second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him. How long? A thousand years. Now, why would John say the first resurrection? Because there's going to be another one. Where does it say that? Hold your fingers right here. I'm going to help you out. Go with me to John chapter 5. Let's just set the stage at the beginning. John chapter 5. And notice with me in verses 28 and 29. John chapter 5 and verses 28 and 29. The Bible said, are we there? Amen. Bible says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now who's talking? Jesus is. Now, how many resurrections did He talk about? Two. That's right. The resurrection of life and the resurrection of Damnation. John the Revelator now says here, same author of the book of John, now says, 
He says, blessed and holy is he that hath part of the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and reign with him a thousand years. Now, let's just stop here for a moment and begin to fill out our graph. What happens at the beginning? We're talking about a thousand years here, right? Now, you know, sometimes we call this the millennium, which simply comes from two Latin words meaning annum and year. You know, milli, thousand, in annum, year. But here we begin to see for this thousand years, what happens at the beginning of the thousand years? Okay, number one, we see the first resurrection, right? We also see that what happens to Satan? Satan gets bound. What does it mean when he's bound? Okay, okay. Well, not quite. He's got all his angels. <laughs> but you know, when you begin to look at it, it says he should deceive the nations no more till or until the thousand years should be fulfilled, right? Okay, so ask yourself the question, what does it mean when he says that he can't deceive anybody for this thousand years? Why wouldn't he be able to deceive anybody for this thousand years? <laughs> ah, ah. Okay, that's absolutely right. Remember what we read yesterday? When Jesus comes, what's going to happen? Okay, okay. You're, no, that's right. The wicked will be destroyed by the brightness of His coming. Remember, when Jesus comes, there's two groups, right? The saved and the lost. And so you begin to see the fact that the righteous will be able to look up, as Isaiah 25, 9 says, and say, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for Him and He will save us. The wicked, therefore, on the other hand, do what? They run to hide, but can they get away? No, the brightness of God, His glory destroys the wicked. Now, we're going to take a look at that here in just a minute, but we see the fact here that ought to help you to understand something when Satan's bound. Is, is what we've read so far, is it literal? It's symbolic. I mean, do you think literally Jesus is going to come down and He's going to put a chain on His hand or His foot and he's, Satan's going to spend a thousand years going around that's, that's not what it's talking about. Remember, Revelation is written in symbolism. And you need to understand the symbolism to make sense of what it is he's talking about. Something else that I want you to think about. And that is that who does this? The Bible says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the devil. Who's that angel? It's, it's Michael, Jesus Christ. That's right. Now, it's interesting because all you got to do is go to Daniel chapter 10 and you see it was that, that uh, Gabriel was struggling with the prince of Persia. Who's that? That's Satan. And so you see there's a struggle. And remember, Satan used to be top angel. Now Gabriel's top angel. And so here they are going back and forth, but he can't overcome him, but he calls Michael. And Michael comes. And Michael overcomes. And so now who is it? It's not Gabriel that gets a hold of the devil. It's Jesus Himself that comes down. And so, when does Jesus come down? At the second coming of Jesus. That's right. So we begin to look at That's why it says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part of the first resurrection. Now, just to be clear, the Bible says that after the thousand years, what would happen to Satan? He would be loosed for a little season. That's right. So I'm going to put over here, Satan 
Okay. Now, to help us understand this, obviously we know if Jesus comes down to put him in darkness, Jesus does that at his second coming, right? After all, when is the first resurrection? When are the dead raised? Oh, I got a lot of a lot of blank stares. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's one of those T books just before 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus. It's right after the four little books of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and notice with me in verse 16. The Bible says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall do what? Rise first. Now, isn't it interesting? Paul says when Jesus comes and raises the dead, that is going to be the first resurrection. Amen? John says in Revelation 20 and verse 5, or verse 4, blessed, or 6, blessed and holy is he that hath part of the first resurrection. So when Jesus comes down, the, he calls his saints forth. Amen? Now, to help us to understand this whole thing, knowing that it's Jesus that comes down, that's when Satan's bound, that's when the first resurrection takes place, then let's make this simple. Let's divide this up into four groups. Okay, We know that when Jesus comes, there's going to be two groups, the saved and lost, right? Come on, you with me? Okay. But each part of those two groups will have two groups, won't they? Because you'll have the righteous dead and the righteous living. And you'll have the wicked dead and the wicked living. That's right. So we want to know what's going to happen to the righteous dead, the righteous living, the wicked dead, and the wicked living when Jesus comes. Is that fair? Because that helps set the stage for what's going to happen during this thousand years. So let's take those four groups. And we just read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. first. Now verse, verse 17, then, when's that? Right after. Okay, synonymous, together, simultaneously. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. them. Who's them? The righteous that have just been raised. That's exactly right. The righteous just been raised. Together with them to do what? Oh, catch it. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in St. Louis. Oh, no, not St. Louis. In the air. But wait a minute, what does that verse tell me about the idea that Jesus is going to come down and He's going to walk on this earth for the thousand years? It's not, it's not a truth. The Bible's in harmony. Jesus isn't coming to walk here for a thousand years. He's going to come and take His people back to heaven. Amen? Remember what the Bible says, His promise to the disciples. I'll tell you what, if you ever get discouraged, read John chapter 14, 15, and 16. 
Because John 13 is all about the Lord's Supper. And they're, they're, they're beginning to understand Jesus is serious. He's actually going to die. What's going what's to happen to their hopes and their thoughts and their dreams and all of that stuff? And Jesus gives them, starting with John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. So Jesus is coming. He's preparing mansions for you. He isn't going to leave them vacant. He's coming to get you and take you back. Amen? Okay, so when you began to look at this resurrection, you began to find that here, at the first resurrection, we see that the righteous dead, and here's where I want you to take and start filling your graph out. Put first resurrection up top. And underneath it, you've got the, uh, the righteous dead are raised. Okay? What happens to the righteous living? They're caught up in the cloud. Just risen dead. Okay. The righteous living join those that are, have been just raised. And where do they go? To the cloud. Okay, to the cloud to meet who? Jesus. Jesus. And where do they go then? Back to heaven, that's right. Now, some think, some think, did Jesus need to bring three buses 14 times to get his people? No. So who does he get when he brings, when he comes? All of his saints. That's absolutely right. So he gets all of the righteous, and we're going to see why here in just a moment. So the righteous dead are raised, the righteous living join them, and where do they go? They go to heaven. You're right. They go to he- they go into the clouds, but they actually go back to heaven with Jesus. Okay, we all clear so far? Okay. So we've looked at the righteous dead and righteous living. Let's look at one more passage of scripture. Go with me to First Corinthians. Go back. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, and notice with me in verse fifty-one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting with verse 51. Notice what it says. It says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. What does that mean? We're not all going to die. But we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. When is that? Remember what we just read in, in 1 Thessalonians 4.16? For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. That's right. It's talking about that event. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Praise God for that. Amen? Amen. Talking about the same event. When Jesus comes, He's going to gather His people together. He's going to take the righteous living and the righteous dead, and He's going to take them back to heaven with Him. Amen? Amen. Now, first thing that we need to understand is the fact that we're not going to be wandering on this earth during that thousand years. Amen? Amen. We're going to be where? In heaven. So I'm going to put right up here under under 1,000 years, I'm going to put all saints in heaven. Well, who does that leave? The wicked. Okay, well, let's look at what happens to the wicked when Jesus comes. We know what's happened to the righteous dead, right? They've been raised. We know what happens to the righteous living. They are gathered together with them. And how many of God's people go to to heaven? 
all of God's people go to heaven. No secret rapture, no seven years of tribulation, none of that. Jesus comes one time, He comes to get His people, and He gets them and takes them back to heaven. Now, what about the wicked dead? Remember the four groups? Go with me to Revelation chapter 20. You're going to want to keep something in Revelation chapter 20 because we'll go back and forth because we're covering Revelation 20. But notice in Revelation chapter 20, and I want to start with verse 4. Revelation 20 and verse 4. The Bible says, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them. And judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark upon their forehead or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for how long? A thousand years. Is that the righteous or the wicked? That's the righteous. Very good. Now, but notice what it says in verse 5. But the rest of the dead, who's the rest of the dead? The wicked. Very good. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part of the first resurrection. Now, stop and think for a minute. Jesus comes, he gathers his people. The righteous living are raised. The righteous or the righteous dead are raised. The righteous living are gathered together. All the righteous go back to heaven, right? What happens to the wicked that are dead? They stay dead until when? Until the end of the thousand years. And then it says they will, obviously, it doesn't say that, but obviously, if they're going to be dead until the thousand years are finished, that means at some point in time they're going to live again, right? Right. Right. Which Jesus called the what? The second resurrection or the resurrection of damnation. That's right. Very good. Let's, let's look at another, another one. Because here we begin to look at the fact that when the wicked... Well, let me just write it down there. Let's continue our, our graph. Satan's bound. The wicked dead stay dead. Well, what's our other group? The wicked living. What's going to happen to the wicked living when Jesus comes? All right, where do we find that? Notice, notice with me if we go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I want to start with verse 8. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Notice with me in verse 8. You there, please say amen. 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 Thank you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of His mouth, and, with, and shall what? Destroy with the brightness of His coming. Now let me ask you a question. What is the brightness of His coming? We're going to take a look at it in just a minute, but in Isaiah chapter 2 and about verse 19, it says, when they, they run to the rocks and the caves and, and for fear of the Lord and for the glory of His majesty. You see, when Jesus comes, He comes in all the glory of heaven. He comes and sin cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. Amen? Amen? That's why God asks us to overcome here. That's why God wants us to confess our sins here. That's why God wants us to change our character here. Because sin is not going to heaven. And He isn't just going to come down and magically fix you when He comes. When He comes, it's too late. Every choice has been made. And so when Jesus comes, it says the wicked are destroyed by the brightness of His coming. But I want to continue on for just a moment. Verse 9, 
even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness, deceivableness in, of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why do they perish? There we go. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. I want you to understand something. When you deny the truth of the Bible, you really are denying Christ. He is the living Word. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the living Word. The Bible is the written Word, and it leads you to Him. And when you deny the Bible, when you deny the truth that He gives you, you are truly denying Christ. And so here you begin to see those that deny Christ, those that, and, and listen, we have to, to remember, sometimes we think, oh, you know, God understands my situation. This is just a little thing. No sin is a little thing. And one sin will keep you out of heaven unconfessed. Amen? So it's something that's very important we understand that God is trying to help us to know that we need to fall in love with Jesus so much that we're willing to do what He asks us to do. Amen? Because it really comes down, it's not a matter of legalism. It's not a matter of, of following Him because I have to. Jesus gives me that choice, doesn't He? I tell you what, I don't serve Him because I have to. I serve Him because I met Him at Calvary. I serve Him because I fell in love with Him because He loved me before I deserved to be loved. And Jesus loves you so much that He's longing for you to choose. You know, I love that picture by Harry Anderson. Have you ever seen it where someone's Jesus is there outside the door and He's, he's knocking? You ever notice something interesting about that door? There's no knob. Why no knob? Because He calls. And He only comes in if you open the door and you ask. Amen? So it becomes something that's very important. We've got to fall in love with His Word. We've got to fall in love with His truth because it leads us to Him and His character. Amen? Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2.5 you know, We need to understand that Jesus wants us to, to change our character, to be born again, to become more like Him now. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's look at another one. Take your Bibles and go with me to, to uh, Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 14. Revelation chapter 6, verse 14. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and every island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. Who's that? That's the Father. And... And from the wrath of the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? Jesus. Jesus. I want you to understand, when Jesus comes, Father's coming with Him. His angels are coming with Him. All of heaven is emptying out to come and get God's people. Amen? It says, Hide us from, his, from, from the face of Him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of His wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, Isaiah says there is a group that can stand. Amen? A group that will look up. A group that will say, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for Him and He will save us. So we begin to look 
at the fact that the wicked dead stay dead, what happens to the wicked living? They're slain by the brightness of His coming or by His glory. Now, let me take you to one more passage. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 2 just a minute, just to, to read the one I quoted a minute ago. Old Testament. If you don't know where it's at, close your Bible, open it up in the middle. You're probably at Psalms. Go to the right, you got Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and then Isaiah. And I want chapter 2. And I'd like to go to verse 19. Isaiah chapter 2, and I'd like verse 19. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 19. The Bible says, And they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for what? Fear of the Lord. And let me tell you, many times in the Bible when it's talking about fear of the Lord, it's not talking about being afraid of Him. But this isn't that kind of fear. This one is to be afraid of Him. And go into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord and for the glory of His majesty. When He arises to shake terribly the what? Earth. When does He do that? What? When He comes a second time, what is the last plague? Earthquake? Well, there's a great earthquake. There's hail. The weight of a talent. You ever been through a hailstorm? Okay, I've seen I've seen hailstorms that you know you have even up to quarter size hail, and I've seen it do damage on cars and all of stuff. But stop and think about a I've seen everywhere from fifty seven to hundred pound ice ball. Now I'm not seeing them literally, but I'm saying the Bible says a talent. Different scholars say different weights, but the, the least I've seen is about 57 pounds. The most is about 100. Some think, let's take 50 pounds. They say, they, say, <laughs> they say that a penny dropped from the entire, entire state building will actually embed in the concrete. I've never watched it and I've never tried it, but that's what they say. What will, what will happen when a 50-pound ice ball falls from heaven? Are you hearing me? Not only will it kill the people, it'll do what to the cities? It'll destroy them. That's absolutely right. Keep that in the back of your mind because we're going to look at that in here in just a minute too. So you began to look at the fact that here they're running. That's when Jesus rises to shake terribly the earth. In the middle of all this chaos, the glory of Jesus comes down in that dark world and the darkness around us opens up and the glory of heaven shines through. And that's why you find that they run to the rocks and the mountains. The wicked do. Because they can't take it. But the righteous are able to stand there in His glory. Why? Because they've confessed their sins. They've let Jesus cover their life with His blood. And He is their not only Savior, but Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Now, you begin to look at the fact that the righteous, when Jesus comes, the righteous dead are raised. The righteous living are caught up with them and they're taken where? All the saints then go to heaven. The wicked dead, what? Stay dead. And the wicked living, what happens to them? They're slain by the brightness of His coming. Yes. That actually is true. There's actually two places you could go for that. Revelation chapter 1. Let's just do that quick a minute. I, we almost have time. Let's go to Revelation chapter 1 very quickly. And verse 7. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. 
Because the question is this, and she says, but wait a minute, wasn't, isn't there a special resurrection? Isn't there something that takes place? Because remember when Jesus was here, he says to, he says to the leadership, he says, the next thing you're going to see is the Son of Man coming in power and great glory. When would they see that? Second coming. Well, are they alive today? No. So obviously Jesus is going to have a special resurrection. It's not going to be of all the wicked. But a special resurrection, I believe, it'll be of those that opposed Him the most and His cause the most. And He will raise them up so they can see Him come in, in power and great glory. Notice what it says in Revelation 1, verse 7. Behold, He cometh with clouds. Now you know why it is they're raised up into the clouds. And every eye shall see Him, and they also which pierced Him. Pierced him. Hmm. Let's look at another one. Go with me to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 1. Daniel chapter 12. And I want to start in verse 1. Notice here what it says. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. I hear a lot of pages turning. Thank you for taking time to look it up. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And at that time shall Michael stand up. Who's Michael? Jesus shall stand up the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was, since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, everyone that is found written in the book. What book? Book of Life. Very good. Now, notice something. When is this time of trouble such as never was? Just before the Okay, just before the second coming, what is it called? The time of trouble. Even the time of Jacob's trouble. That's true. What is that? The Bible describes it as the seven last plagues. And God's people will live through that, that are alive. And they'll live through that time. And then it is that Jesus will come and deliver His people. Yes? Well, isn't there a time Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the time. That's it. We're going to study that tomorrow as we get into the Mark of the Beast. She said, the question was, isn't there a time when we will be persecuted and killed and in and, and all of that before the plagues? And that's true. Absolutely right. Once, the, once Jesus finishes judgment, Mark of the Beast has taken place. Everybody is sealed. Jesus comes out of the sanctuary, takes off His high priestly garments, He puts on His kingly garments, and He gets ready to come and get His people. But now it is, when every case has been decided, He knows what reward to give who? Right? So now it is that the seven last plagues begin to fall. So He can't start it before, because if it hasn't been proved in heaven, then He wouldn't have the right to put it on somebody. But now that every case is decided, he is able to send the seven last plagues, and it only affects those that are not righteous, those that have received the mark of the beast, those that have not received the seal of God. That's exactly what happened in the land of Egypt. And if you look, the first three plagues were universal. It happened both to the Israelites and the Egyptians. But the last seven plagues only fell upon the Egyptians. And so it is, God is going to hold His hand upon His people during that, trime, that, that time. And so you begin to see here that notice as we continue to read, 
Verse 1, and at that time, I'm Daniel 12, at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of the people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was, even since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, thy people shall be what? Delivered every one that is found written in a book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Shall what? Awake. What does that mean? Okay, they're going to rise. They're going to live again. That's right. Very good. Some to everlasting life and some to what? Shame and everlasting content. So once again, you begin to see the fact that there is going to be a special resurrection at the time of Jesus' coming. And they're going to, and we know Caiaphas and Ananias are going to be there. He's going to raise them up and He's going to let them see Him come into power and glory as King of kings and Lord of lords. So I, I, And I believe it's going to be all of those that have been the major contributors against Christ. But, you know, the Bible doesn't say that. We just know it says some. And, and so we, we look at that and we realize that there will be that special resurrection that happens when Jesus comes, but then what happens to them when they see Him come and He gets closer and closer and closer? They too run to the rocks and mountains. Why? Because they're trying to get away from the face of Him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Do you have a hand up? They will. Yeah, they will. There's no doubt. What's that? No, not everybody. The Bible doesn't say everybody will. The Bible says that those here that have pierced Him, those that have been against Him, Okay, and we're not talking about all the wicked. We're talking about a, a, a select number. Okay, I'm not even going to say few. I don't know how many that'll be. The Bible doesn't give us. But, but we need to understand the Bible is very clear. There will be a special resurrection at the time of His coming that will take and be with those that have persecuted Christ. And they will get to see Him come in power and great glory. Now, we've looked at this. We've seen that when at the beginning of the thousand years, there's the first resurrection. We've seen that the righteous dead are raised, the righteous living are caught up together with them, and where do they go? They go to heaven. The wicked dead, what happens to them? They stay dead. The wicked living, what happens to them? They're slain by the brightness of His coming. Now let me ask you a question. What does that do for the theory that when Jesus comes, you have a second chance? That doesn't work. Amen? See, it's important for us to understand that because the day of salvation is not after Jesus comes. The day of salvation is today. That's right. Today is the day of salvation. Today you need to make a choice. Today you need to get it right with Christ. Amen? So here it is, you begin to look, that what happens to the wicked? They're all dead through this thousand years. So let's take a look at what the Bible describes for during this thousand years. Take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Jeremiah. Book of Jeremiah. And I want to go to chapter 25. Jeremiah, chapter 25. You're in Daniel just a minute ago. Go backwards, you got Ezekiel. And then you've got Lamentations, and then you have Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 4. Ah, I said 25, excuse me. I'm going to go to 4 in just a moment. But notice in Jeremiah chapter 25, I want verse 32 and 33. Jeremiah chapter 25. And I need verses 32 and 33. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, evil shall go forth from nation to nation, and a great whirlwind shall be raised up from coast to coast, coast of the earth. 
And the slain of the Lord shall be at that day from one end of the earth even unto the other end of the earth. They shall not be lamented, neither gathered, nor buried. They shall be dung upon the earth. Now, why? Why isn't there anybody that's going to bury them? Why isn't anybody going to cry or mourn over them? Because no one will be alive. The saints are all gone to heaven. Amen? The wicked are all slain by the brightness of His coming. So they're as dung upon the earth. They're scattered upon the earth. You've got a bunch of corpses around this earth. Hmm. So, what happens to the wicked during this thousand years? They're dead. That's right. So the wicked are all dead during the thousand years. Now, what else does the Bible say about this time period and the shape of the earth? Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 4. And notice with me in verse 23. Jeremiah chapter 4, starting with verse 23. Okay, notice what it says. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without what? Form and void in the heavens, and they had no light. And I've had people say to me, well, that's pre-creation. And I say, well, wait a minute, you've got to take it in context, right? Which means we need to continue to read. Notice what it says in verse 24. And I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. So I stop and I ask, were there mountains and hills before creation? No. Well, then that doesn't fit, does it? We continue on, verse 25. I beheld, and lo, there was no man. Mm. Well, some say, wow, that's because He hadn't been made yet. But wait a minute. Or it also could mean they were all gone. But notice what it says as it continues. And all the birds of the heavens were fled. Well, that means the birds were there and they're now gone. gone. So were birds here before creation? No. So this is not talking about pre-creation. This is talking about another time period in which the men were gone or dead. The birds were all gone. The, the, notice it continues on. Verse 26, I beheld and lo, the fruitful place was a what? Wilderness. And all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by His fierce anger. When did that happen? Second coming of Jesus. Remember we just talked about the hailstones? That's not just going to kill people. It's going to destroy this world. Amen? Notice it goes on. For thus hath the Lord said, the whole land shall be what? Desolate. Yet will I not make a full end. For this shall the earth mourn and the heavens above be black. Because I have spoken it. I have purposed it. And will not repent, neither will I turn back from it. Now notice something. It says that during this time, obviously no, no life is going to be here except the devil and his angels. Are you with me? All the birds are gone, all the people are dead or gone to heaven. And so you look at this world and the earth is going to be what? Earth is going to be dark and desolate. Now, do you remember what we read in Revelation chapter 20 as we began this study? That He cast them into a bottomless pit? and set a seal upon Him. Okay, What happens when you fall into a pit and you're covered over? It's scary. Okay, that's probably true. <laughs> but it's dark. 
isn't it? Jesus simply is giving symbolism. He's not actually going to come down here, dig a hole, and throw the devil in it, and put a ball and chain around him. He's locking him to this earth that's by circumstances he can't leave. But this earth now is desolate, it's broken down, and it's dark, just like if he were in a pit. Are you with me? So this earth is dark, and it's desolate, it's all broken down, the wicked are all dead, the saints are all gone. He's got a thousand years to play God thousand years to create light thousand years to raise the dead and war and you need to understand something very clearly the lord does allow the devil to put people to rest but it's only at god's approval god is still in charge of this world and God can stop everything if He wanted to. But if He stopped every bad thing from happening, would we really get a glimpse as to what the devil is like? No. So unfortunately, bad things happen to good people. They happen to Matthew. They happen to Mark. They happen to John. They happen to Paul. They happen to Walden. And you could go right on down through the list. God's people have always been persecuted and laughed at and ridiculed and tried. But I'll tell you what, those that persevere, those, as the Bible says, that endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Amen? Keep your faith. Because God is there with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. We need to understand that He is there helping you to overcome and helping you to be what He wants you to be. It's His desire that you be part of the faithful so that when He comes, He can take you to heaven. Amen? Amen. Now, Notice, as we look at this fact that during the thousand years, we see it's going to be dark and desolate. But, what's, what are the saints going to be doing in heaven? Okay, judging. What do, what, what do we mean by judging? Because this is now phase two. First phase was the investigative judgment. We now get to heaven, and now there's part two of judgment, or phase two of judgment. What's that? Understanding the decisions that were made. I have to... Let me labor with you just a moment. If, if we understand, if we, if we spend the time going over the books and understanding why Grandma didn't make it, is that judgment? I mean, it's information. I wouldn't disagree. But really, is it judgment? Is it? Go to Revelation chapter 20. You see, when I just look over the records and find out information, and I'm satisfied God was fair, I want you to understand what you've done. You've now just gone to heaven with a doubt in your mind as to whether Grandma didn't make it because God was fair or not. Is that really the way we're going to go to heaven? No. So we're not going over the books to prove whether God was right. Amen? And so God says in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4, notice what it says. It says, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them. Who's they? Okay, that's right, the righteous. And what's the, what's the next words? And judgment was given unto them. Well, what kind of judgment needs to be done next? Now, obviously, this is not a judgment of whether a person is saved or lost, right? That's already been done. Okay, here's the key. Phase two of any judgment scene, I, I like to call on O.J. Simpson. Trial scene, you can take any trial scene. The first part of every trial scene is the investigative part. 
You have the defense attorney that takes and, and, and defends the case. You have the prosecuting attorney that now takes and presents the case against them. And now it is that, that it has to be decided, is it something that is worth, are they right or wrong? Which one? Which side? So the investigative part now done, what happens? Okay, a sentencing. But what happens before the sentencing? Okay, the verdict. You're saved or lost, or you're guilty or not guilty. Then what happens to you? Let's say I'm guilty. What happens to me now? I'm taken back to jail. Now, I'm already pronounced guilty, but I'm taken back to jail. What happens next? I now have to appear again before the judge, and the judge now gives me a what? A sentence. Now, depending on the crime, if I killed somebody, then maybe I'm going to be killed. So here it is. He says, you're going to die the death of the electric chair. Okay, so now I've been sentenced. My verdict has been given. My sentencing has been given. What happens to me? I go back to jail. And then they set a date for the third phase of that judgment, and that's the execution of the sentence. And so you now, they go back to jail, they give a date, you now come out on that date, and what happens on that third phase of judgment? It's done. Okay, Execution takes place. It's the same way in God's judgment. He has the, the investigative judgment that has been taking place since 1844. It's an investigative judgment that gives a verdict of saved or lost. Now when he takes his saints to heaven, the Bible says, we're not just going to be looking over to find out why grandma didn't make it. We're actually going to be part of making a decision. A decision of what? A decision of what sentence needs to be given. And you say, Pastor, can you prove that? Hold your finger there and go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and notice with me in verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. The Bible says, Do ye not know that the saints... Who's that? The righteous. Praise the Lord. It's the righteous. We want to be part of that, amen? That's what we're trying to become. But notice here's what it says. Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? Oh, wait a minute. Judge the world? Does that mean that they're going to look over their books and find out why grandma didn't come? Come on. Now, I know some of this for you, this is brand new. And you say, wait a minute. I've even had people say, well, I don't want to be a part of sentencing anybody. Well, I understand that. But stop and think. What fairer way could Jesus be than joining with you as to why the friends and the family and the people that chose not to serve him, what their sentence will be? That's why in the end, all will say just and true are thy ways. Yes. Absolutely. You have nobody to blame but yourself. And so here it is. God joins with you. Now listen, this isn't something that you seek vengeance because if you make it to heaven, you're not going to have that kind of a character. Amen? You're going to feel sorry for these people and the choices they've made. You're probably going to be as lenient as you can be, but the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's the second death. That's hellfire. And so you will be a part of meeting out that punishment. Yes? But sometimes, when I'm the, the thing is, 
Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I understand. How would you help determine for your children? One thing that we know, the Bible's clear, those that know a lot will be held accountable for a lot. And those that know little will be held accountable for little. But they'll still be held accountable. And the wages of sin is death. What's that? Uh, that is in Matthew chapter... Wait till after the class, you don't mind, I'll look it up for you. I want to say it's Matthew chapter 12. But don't quote me on that yet. I'll look it up after class. So let me finish this and I'll be glad to look it up if you'll remind me. Um, but when, when we take a look at this, we realize the Bible says that we will judge the world. And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest of matters? Let's look at one other very quickly. Go with me to Jude, which is a little book, one, one chapter, right before Revelation. Jude chapter 1, because there is only one chapter, verse 6. The Bible says, in verse 6, Jude chapter 1, the angels which kept not their first estate. Who's that talking about? So about the fallen angels, right? The wicked angels. Notice what it says. But left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting what? Chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So once again, we see the fact that what does that sound like to you? Sound familiar? What do we read about Satan? Angel comes down and he's there's a the bottomless pit and he's thrown into it and he's reserved in chains. Same thing. So that's why you see the fact that the devil and his angels will be alive on this earth during this time of a thousand years. The earth will be broken down. The earth will be desolate. And he'll have a thousand years to pretend to be God. But we know he's not God. Amen? Amen. Aren't you glad he's not God? Amen. That's absolutely right. Now, let's come back and finish this thing up. Let's wrap it up. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 20. Because we need to find out what's going to happen at the end. Revelation chapter 20. I'm going to start with verse 1. Revelation chapter 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and did what? Bound him for a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should what? Deceive the nations no more till the thousand years shall be fulfilled. After that, he must be loosed a little season. Well, how is it that he is bound? Nobody to deceive. It's circumstances, that's absolutely right. And there's nobody alive for him to deceive, right? You with me? Okay, notice as we continue on. In verse 4, I saw thrones and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their forehead or in their hand. And they lived and reigned with Christ for how long? thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part of the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, what does that mean? They're done. They're over. They've ended. So we've come down to the end, right? 
When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be what? Loosed out of his prison. Well, what does it mean to be loosed? Set free. Okay, set free. And notice what happens, verse 8. And shall go out to do what? Deceive, Deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. What just took place? The holy city. Okay, that's absolutely right. The holy city is going to come down, down to this earth. And there you're getting, and you're getting, in fact, let me take you to two passages of Scripture very quickly. Go to, with me to Zechariah. Actually, say in Revelation 20. Write this text down. Zechariah chapter 14, verses five, 4 and 5. Zechariah chapter 14, verses 4 and 5. It actually talks about the holy city coming down to the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives splitting, and the holy city now comes in that valley that is fit between them. Zechariah chapter 14, verses 4 and 5. Go with me to Revelation 21. Since you're right there, real close. And notice with me in Revelation 21, notice verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Jump down with me to verse 10. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven... From God. So the holy city comes down. Zechariah chapter 14 tells us that the holy city will come and Jesus will put his feet upon the top of the Mount of Olives. Now, what, what, what was significant about the Mount of Olives? Okay, that's where he ascended. What else is important? That's where the Garden of Gethsemane is. Jesus went there many times to pray. He will come down, He'll put His feet upon the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives will split, and there'll be a valley between, and the Holy Jerusalem will come down and land in that valley. Then it is you have this second resurrection that takes place. So now Satan is loose. That means the second resurrection has taken place, and the, the wicked are raised. Now, notice what happens. Come back with me to Revelation chapter 20. Starting with verse 7 again. The Bible says, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go, to, go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number is who, of whom is as the sand of the sea. Have you ever gone and picked up a scoop of sand and tried to count the granulars? I did once. For a very short time. <laughs> but I want you to understand something. It saddens my heart. Because when it says the number of whom is as the sand of the sea, billions of people are going to choose to be lost. You need to be very clear. If you're lost, it's because you've chosen to be lost. Because Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. That's right. So we need to know that if we're in the second resurrection, it's because we've chosen to be there. That's not His plan. His plan's to save you. Amen? Notice we continue on. Verse 9, And when they went up on the breadth of the earth, and compassed the camp of the saints below, about, and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven, and what? Devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and false prophets are. And they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne... 
Here it is. It's kind of going back through this final phase of judgment. Third phase. And I saw a great white throne and Him that sat on it, and from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. Remember when that happened? Second coming of Jesus, right? And went and ran to the rocks and the mountains. And there was, no, was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. According to what? Their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell gave up, delivered up the dead which were in it. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell, that's the grave, that's what it means. We're cast into the lake of fire. What do we call that? Hellfire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, it's interesting you come down to the end here because Satan is loose. So the wicked are raised. What do they do? They compass the city, right? Now, I want you to know God is so fair that He actually helps them to understand why they've made the choices they've made and how they've made the wrong choices. And I can tell you what, I'll bet there's going to be some surprised people when they wake up that day. And I think they're going to be mad at Satan. But he gathers them together. And they compass the city and they try to overtake the city. And the Bible says fire comes down from God out of heaven and what? Devours them. That means that hell fire takes place when? Come on, when? At the end after the thousand years. Now let me ask you a question. Is it possible for me to die today and go to hell? Why? Because hell isn't burning. It's not the volcano that's taking place in Hawaii. Amen? So you need to understand that hell fire actually takes place literally at the end of this thousand years. And so it is impossible to die and go to hell today. And if you stop and think about it, if I can't die and go to hell, am I able to die and go to heaven? No. You see, it's important for us to understand that right now, Jesus is going over the books. Jesus is doing judgment. And He's doing the first phase. When, when, we go, when He comes and takes His people to heaven, the second phase will take place. And then finally, after the thousand years, when He comes down, it says here that the books are opened once again, and those that are wicked that have been raised will receive their sentencing and then they'll receive their reward or their execution of the judgment. Yes, and then. Well, as you can think, there'll be the time when every will Absolutely. And say that when they see, and that's why you can know when they're raised and, and they're given the opportunity to see their life story, they have no, nothing to say other than he's been fair. Just and true are thy ways. And that'll happen before they are executed. Yes? During the thousand years while we are being shown in judging people, in their dead, I mean, they've already been dead, are they they're brought to life and brought up there to be judged? And then once they're judged, are they sent back down to be dead? And okay. Okay, let me, let, me, let me straighten that out. During the thousand years, heaven is up in heaven where the mansions are. Okay? Earth is down here. At the end of the thousand years, Jesus brings the new Jerusalem down to earth. Okay? That's when, after He brings it down to the Mount of Olives, it splits, 
He brings the city down in the valley between there. And then it is that He raises the wicked. Okay. But in the, and I pose a question very poorly. But you said that for a thousand years, and I know that Satan is is tied up. Nobody, everybody's dead. Okay. But you said during that thousand years, we would go ahead and it would be looking at the people, and we find out why. Well, we're, we're looking at the records. Right. Okay. If we're looking at the records, I, I thought like the person came back up. No, 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 just okay. Just like Jesus right now is standing for you and he's looking at your record. So it is when we're in heaven and we're judging the sentencing part with Christ. Remember, I don't want us to say we're doing our own thing with Christ. We join him in sentencing. And here it is. We open the books and we look at the sins because remember, it's the wages of sin that is death. And it is together that the sentence is declared. So no, the people don't go up there, stand before the throne, and, and get judged. I, I guess I took literally when you were giving the example of somebody going in before the jury. And yeah, no. But, but circling back on that slightly, so the people get a sentence. But if they're all going to be destroyed when they rush the holy city, it's all going to happen very quickly. What's the... That's a very good question. Look at me, look at me with me at verse 10. Okay, Revelation 20 and verse 10. And I've got to close here. But notice what it says, verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. We know that is hellfire, right? And brimstone, where the beast and false prophet are, and they shall be tormented instantly. Day and night. Forever and ever. Now we know, it, I'm not going to do a study on hellfire right now, but we know hellfire is not going to burn forever and ever throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. But it also isn't going to be like a Hiroshima meltdown either. The Bible says it's going to burn day and night. So there's going to be a different portion of time for every sinner based on their sins. Okay, So it's not going to be instantaneous. But yet it's not going to be forever and ever and ever. In fact, I'll tell you who's going to burn the longest of anybody. Satan, that's absolutely right. Does that answer your question? Thank you. All right, well, thank, thank the Lord you came out. Praise the Lord. Hopefully this made sense for you. Let's have a good a word of prayer and we'll let you head to your next seminar. Our dear kind Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for each one that was here. And Lord, we just pray that this subject was made clear and that Lord, we may understand the goodness of God and the joy of serving Him. So Lord, bless us now. Bring us back out safely tomorrow. In Jesus' precious name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.